announcements here uh, let's turn to page 1325 in the church bibles 1325 okay great to have the placencia family back this week and i know you guys already been back but glad you survived the uh, hurricane out there once in an 80 year event yeah. so glad y'all are back okay uh on top of the prayer list it, we still remember 
uh, my son Ryan and his wife Brooke, as she's expecting in this uh, difficult or high-risk pregnancy, is still an issue, and they've been asked by the specialist in Houston to actually relocate to Houston in case something happens. There's a bleeding issue here, and so they want her to be really close to the hospital. So, um, so they're going to be on about first part of September, just relocating down there with the kids uh, and all, and just uh, staying there till early November, mid-November, something like that. Pray the Lord is glorified in all that. <clears throat> uh, another praise for little Kylie. She had some tests done this last week or so, and they continue to prove out the Lord's goodness. It's all doing well. They're taking her off meds that she's been on, and she's starting to stand up and, you know, play. And so bless the Lord for uh, something he proclaimed already. And we're thankful that Raul Jr. is doing well. Raul tells me that he's doing better, stronger, looking better. Uh, let's keep Bob Mantooth on the prayer list. Uh, he apparently is having some issues with his back and hip right now. And uh, for announcement purposes, Feast of Trumpet celebration will be on Friday the 15th here at the church at 6 p.m. All we need is a list of who can be here for the meal. The meal will be taken care of here. And I believe the desserts are included, so no need to bring sign up for desserts. And it will be child care for five and under. If I'm saying that right. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's read our scripture this morning. It's going to be 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 55. <clears throat> now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must be put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you again for <clears throat> this day that we can come together and give you praise and honor. For all the answered prayers we see around us, Lord, we just thank you that you are true and living God, working in our lives and in the lives around us. Lord, we do lift up uh, Bob and uh, pray, God, you continue to to give him wisdom on what to do for his back and his hip, Lord. And pray you would just attend the pain that he's going through in that. And we also pray for uh, Ryan and Brooke and the new baby and the little girls. Uh, Presley and Milo, Lord, as they go to Houston, keep them safe, Lord Jesus. And above all, Lord, I pray in this situation, once again, Lord, you would raise your name up uh, by your miraculous work that things that have been spoken by doctors, you would show to not be true and all these risks would be minimized, and Lord, at your hand would be evident. So we bless you for all you're doing. Uh, we thank you for this time of year, Lord, uh, that builds excitement in our hearts to think of the <clears throat> the final trumpet that will be in this season. We know that. We do not know when, but we know it's got to be this season. We bless you, and we thank you, Lord, for your promises, Lord, that you uh, continue to work uh, we continually work in our lives and help us be more like Jesus. We pray, God, that your will be done here uh, in this place and all these 
classes we have today going on. I pray, Lord, that your truth be spoken clearly, it be received, and there be fruit, Lord, from that. We bless you for this time together, and we pray, God, you give us hearts to, uh, that are humble, eyes to see and ears to hear what you're doing today. We bless you, and we give you all glory in your name. With Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let us experience the 
Well, it's hard to follow that anthem. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I cannot imagine how it will be in that day and that time. Well, I'm excited about the message today. We're teaching on Feast of Trumpets today. Feast of Trumpets won't actually be celebrated until the 15th, which is uh, almost two weeks away from. So it's a week from this coming Friday night. It's the next Friday night. It's a Friday after next. And, um, but next week, we're going to have a baptism. So I'm going to be... Uh, sharing with you um, about baptism, and we will go to the um, MCM Elegante for the baptism, and Abigail is going to be baptized, and so I hope you'll be here to celebrate in that great decision and opportunity. Um, it'll be a great time. So I want to I want to teach on first fruits today, knowing that it's going to be a few days away. So hold on to your understandings till next Friday, uh, Friday after next. <clears throat> so, um, and, and by the way, it's at six o'clock. I believe Bill said that, but dinner will be at six o'clock here on the 15th. Okay, let's turn to Leviticus 23. It's on page 138. <clears throat> My nose may run a little bit because I was tearing up during that last song. So I don't know how many of you were grabbing tissues, but it's a powerful anthem. So we're looking at Leviticus 23, and it's so, every time I come to study the feast, it's powerful to me, and it, it's so confusing to me why Christians, by and large, don't understand the celebration of God's feast. Because the celebration of his feast all proclaims the gospel. All about the gospel. And uh, so I think about that when I come to Feast of Trumpets because when I think about the gospel, I think about the death, the burial, the resurrection of, G of Jesus as being the gospel. But I see as when even when Paul talks about the gospel, he extends it beyond just the death, the burial, and the resurrection to include this place of the spirit because that's part of the gospel understanding. That's part of the good news. So when we understand the word gospel actually means good news, it helps us to see the fullness of the gospel would include not only the death, burial, and resurrection, which is great news, but the giving of the Spirit, which is great news, and the fall feast, which is the uh, Jesus returning for his people, and the day of atonement, the final judgment, and then the final feast of living forever, with our Savior. Of course, that would be the fullness because that's all great news, right? So I, I love seeing the feasts that help us to truly, I believe, understand the fullness of the feast, whereas sometimes we get left a little short on that. So I want to just look at this a minute. We've talked about 
chapter 23, verse 1 many times, but I think we have to always look at that to be reminded that these feasts are for God's people. So verse 1 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. These are my feasts. These are God's feasts. These are not just for the Jewish people. These are his feasts. And he's asking his people to come and to celebrate and to participate in the feast. So as you know, the first few verses are about the spring feast and uh, Pentecost. So we're going to start in verse 23 then. And um, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of the trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. So it's a very short understanding that we see here in Feast of Trumpets. And um, it simply says that in the seventh month, and I, I love this because all of the fall feasts are in the seventh month. Seventh means completion. So God is just helping us to understand that he's completing his gospel message in the seventh month. So if there's any time that believers, our Christians, followers of Jesus, should want to come and celebrate, it would be the fall feast. It's funny to me because I see a lot of times that some churches will celebrate Passover, and whereas I agree this needs to be celebrated, they don't see the need to celebrate the fall feast. And yet these are the ones that we long for. These are the ones that are the goal of living a Christian life. It says to, uh, it says in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest. And then it says a memorial, a memorial of the blowing of the trumpets. So, you know, it's interesting because this blowing of the trumpets is what this whole feast is about. And yet, if you look on your calendar today, the understanding, the biblical understanding, God's understanding of this feast has been lost into a secular understanding. So if you go and look it up on your calendar on the 15th of this month, you're going to see it probably will say Rosh Hashanah or Rosh Hashanah, one of the other. It, it's pronounced both ways. But Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah is not the biblical understanding, but rather it's a secular understanding that the, that the uh, rabbis have changed to actually mean it's a, a new year. So they have like a New Year celebration at this point in time. But 
when you understand God's understanding of this place, it's certainly not a new year. It's in the seventh month. Where's the new year? Passover. But God's understanding is this is the completing of what he is doing. But when you change the understanding, you miss that. So God does not call it Rosh Hashanah in the Bible, but rather it would be referred to as the blowing of the trumpets. The day of the blowing of the trumpets, Yom Teruah. Yom Teruah. So we're not celebrating Rosh Hashanah on the 15th, but we are celebrating Yom Teruah, the day of the blowing of the trumpets. And so as you see here, that God really, he says, you're supposed to have a Sabbath rest on this day, a rest in him, a place of coming and trusting in his ways, in his purpose, in what he's doing. And then it says to have a memorial. I thought about this place of a memorial. A memorial is a place we oftentimes celebrate um, if, if you think about Memorial, the first thing that comes to my mind is Memorial Day. And we have a big celebration. Families get together. People have uh, uh, hamburgers and, and hot dogs, and it's a celebration. Sometimes you go to uh, not a funeral, but a memorial for someone who has passed. And it's a time that you have a celebration for their life. It's a memorial. But memorial doesn't mean just for the past, but it can also mean for the future. So in this passage, as we're going to see, that God was allowing them to understand that he wanted them to celebrate this every year as a memorial for what had passed, remembering what had happened prior, but remembering what is to come. So this memory can be both a memorial, a remembrance for the past, and a remembrance for the future. You know, in this day and time, if you want to remember something, you put it on your iPhone, right? Or you put it on your calendar that it would remind you in the future that there was something important going to happen. That's what God is wanting us to grab hold of under this place is that every time we come and blow the shofars to celebrate this day that we're going to remember something of importance from the past and we're going to remember something is happening in the future and it's important. The other thing it says is to have a holy convocation an assembly, a coming together, a celebration. And then it says, you shall do no customary work on it. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. So if you turn with me to Numbers 29, it's on page 189.
Numbers actually gives us a little more understanding about the 29th, about the 29th, I'm sorry, it's the 29th chapter about uh, the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah. And let's start in verse 1. It says, in, and in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. For, for you, it is a day of blowing of the trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord, one young bull, one ram, and seven lambs in the first year without blemish. And so we don't come with a burnt offering today. As you remember, Jesus is our burnt offering. A burnt offering is what atones for our sin. We studied this a couple of years ago all through Leviticus. And a burnt offering is the first offering. It is given that we might come into the presence of the Lord. And the only way we can do that is to be able to have an offering. And Jesus is our burnt offering that does allow us to be accepted before God and does uh, satisfy and atones for our sin nature. Then it says, Their grain offering shall be a fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull and two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. So then you're supposed to bring a grain offering. So I love this. You've got to have an offering to be able to come into the presence of the Lord before you can celebrate Yom Teruah. I love this because you remember this. I've told you this before. Is that when I first began to learn about the feast, I didn't understand the feast at all. And what God said to me one day, he said, Deborah, not because... I'm sorry, not for your salvation, but because of your salvation, you may come to my feast. He's saying, the feast will not save you, Deb. So coming and celebrating the feast has no power to save you. But because of your salvation, because of your belief in Jesus, because of your trusting Jesus... For what he did on the cross as your burnt offering, you may come and celebrate the feast. Do you see how that is? He's saying you may come into my table because you have a burnt offering. And then he says, and the grain offering. A grain offering is a thanksgiving offering. It's a free will offering. It's a decision that you make yourself that you want to bring a grain offering what does a grain offering look like for us it is a place of being thankful oh my goodness if there's any time believers should be thankful it is today this day that we're going to be celebrating of Yom Teruah what a great time to be thankful that Lord your promises are true. And then verse 5 says, And also one kid of the goats as a sin offering to make atonement for you. 
the sin offering. I love this sin offering because it goes with, usually you see this with the burnt offering. Because the burnt offering is for those places of sin that need to be atoned for, that you know you've sinned. But the sin offering is for unintentional sin that you may not even know that you have done. And so I love this place where God says, you've got to come to this day celebration and you've got to come with the burnt offering and you've got to have the grain offering of thanksgiving and you've got to have a sin offering for the unintentional places that you have walked in sin. In other words, you've got to be cleansed as you come to celebrate this place. It's exactly as he said, not for your salvation, Deb, but because of your salvation, you can come. And you ought to come being thankful and bringing a grain offering. Verse 6 says, Besides the burnt offering with its grain offering, for the new moon, the regular burnt offering with the grain offering and the drink offering, and um, according to their ordinances, as a sweet aroma, an offering was made by fire to the Lord. So it mentions this drink offering as well. And a drink offering is, um, was wine. It was a glass of wine and a cup of wine. And they would pour this over the offering as it was burning up in the fire. And it made exactly that, a sweet aroma. A sweet aroma. So I see that as we come in these places, that as we come, Paul said he's being poured out as a drink offering. That he might be a sweet aroma to those around him, but to the Lord. I was thinking about these places of celebrating the feast and, you know, it is a, a small group of people that understand the feast and celebrate God's feast. But I thought about how it separates us from the world. You see, we're called to be holy and we're called to be separated. We're supposed to be sanctified, set apart from the world. I just shook my head this week as I thought about this because I thought, yes, Christmas does not set aside, set apart Christians or followers of Jesus. And the whole world celebrates Christmas. Easter, with all its Easter bunnies, does not set Christians apart from the world. The whole world celebrates Easter bunnies. Family gatherings, Easter egg hunts, schools do Easter egg hunts, communities do Easter egg hunts. Doesn't set the believer aside. Doesn't set them apart. But Yom Teruah, God's feast sets you apart. The world doesn't celebrate God's feast. The world doesn't celebrate 
Jesus' return. So I want to think about this as we look at these places today in this blowing of the shofars, the blowing of the trumpets, and look at really the first place. I want to look at two or three places of what it means to us to celebrate this blowing of the trumpets. So turn with me to Exodus 19. It's on page 83. We started off by saying that this should be a time of memorial. And a memorial is a time of remembering. So we're going to look back and look at this place in Exodus of what God was saying he wanted them to remember and have on their minds as they celebrated Yom Teruah. So let's start in verse 16. It says, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning. Well, let me set this up a little bit. Um, in fact, I think I want to even read some of this. So M Moses is going up into the uh, up, in, up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. That's what's kind of going on. And... Um, I, want to, I know we're going to read a lot today, but I, I think it's important. So let's read, starting in verse 3. It says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, that you have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people from all, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words to the, of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear, and when I speak with you and believe when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. See, they've got to be clean before they come. And then let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down upon the Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people, and you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourself that you do not go up the mountain or touch the base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether, a, whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near 
the mountain. So God is saying, wash your clothes, clean yourself, consecrate yourself. Don't come with your filthiness. Don't come with your sins. Don't come with your dirtiness. Get yourself clean. And then he says, come up to the mountain. Come near to the mountain. But then he says, don't go up it or you're going to be killed. So you can't go up and touch him, you know, um, but you can come near him on the mountain. And, um, and then it says, when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So what these people are remembering as they celebrate Yom Teruah is that this first time that the, God had said, I'm going to meet with my people, and there'll be a trumpet sound, that's how you're going to know. So verse 14 says, And Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. He's saying don't even have marital relations before you come. You need to be so clean. He said, I don't want you having any kind of opportunity that would might bring sinful places into your mind. Now, he's not saying that having sexual places with your wife is sinful, but he's saying he, you just got to be so sanctified that you can't give yourself an opportunity that your mind might go into the wrong places or somehow you might open up your opportunity for a sinful place here because God is coming down. And that is such a powerful place that you want to remember out of this reading is God himself is coming down to meet his people. That's what he wants us to remember. Verse 16 says, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long, and became louder and louder. Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. He said, they can't even look at me. Go down there and warn them that, that, that they can't look through. Also let the priest who came near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up, the mount, up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, away. Get down, and then come up, you and Aaron, with you. But do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people. And then he goes down to the people, and he gives them the, the what we would call Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. 
And uh, so what I want you to hear that when people came to celebrate Yom Teruah in biblical times understood that this was a place when God blew the trumpet first and he called the people to come to the foot of the mountain. But Moses and Aaron, he called to come up to the mountain, to the top of the mountain, and to meet with him. Okay, I want to move to... Um, turn over to Numbers 10. Let's see, it's on page 163. So if you're taking notes, I would say the first thing that we want to see and remember in Feast of Trumpets is that God met with his people at the sound of the shofar, at the sound of the trumpet. And he came and draw, uh, drew his people near and he came down to the mountain and he met with Moses and Aaron and gave them the law instructions for life so on the first thing that he, that they're remembering is is that God came down and met with Moses and gave instructions for life now the second thing I think they would remember it would be this place in uh, numbers 10 and starting in verse 1 it says and the Lord spoke to Moses saying make two silver trumpets for yourself you shall make them of hammered work and you shall use them for calling the congregation for and for directing the movement of the camps so now uh, God actually has them make not only does he have them worshiping with the shofars but he has them make the two silver trumpets and what I want you to know is that the trumpets, the sound of the trumpets were used to move and to call God's people to assemble. So if you want to read the rest of that this week, you can. But the blowing of the trumpet was a place to draw the people to assemble. And then if you look down to verse 9, it tells us a little more about the blowing of the trumpet. It says, And when you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpet, and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. Wow. The blowing of the trumpets. When we have a battle going on, when we have a war going on, God says that you can blow the, the shofars and the trumpets and that he will hear you and save you from your enemies. So it's an alarm that is sounded when we're in a time of war. Then verse 10 says, Also in the day of your gladness, in your appointed feast, and at the beginning of your month, you shall blow the, the trumpets over 
your burnt offerings and over your sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be a memorial for you before the Lord. I am the Lord your God. So this place of blowing the trumpets, again, is a memorial, a place to remember the things that God does at the sound of the, tro uh, the shofars, the sound of the trumpets. All right, now I want to turn to Isaiah 27. It's on page 812. Starting in verse 12. <clears throat> Isaiah is writing from an understanding of what we've been talking about. He understands these things, and then he understands a future time to come. I want you to read with me, starting in verse 12. And it shall, it shall come to pass in that day. In that day. This understanding of that day is Yom Teruah. So what Isaiah was writing about is that it's going to come to pass in a future time on the day of Yom Teruah. And let's see what he says. That the Lord will thresh. That the Lord will separate. That he will thresh out. That he will, uh, like the grain is from the, from the kernel, he will thresh it out. He will thresh out his people, the people who are his followers and the people who are not his followers. Uh, Jesus talked about the weeds and the tares. He will thresh them out. He will sort them out. He will separate them out. So he's saying it's going to come to pass on that day that the Lord will thresh, will separate his people from the channel of the river to the brook of Egypt, and you will be gathered one by one. He's saying now, and you'll be gathered together. God's going to gather together one by one his people, O oh, you children of Israel. So it shall be in that day that the great trumpet will be blown. So on that day, when Jesus returns and he separates his people, those who are his followers from those who are not his followers, it will be at the sound of the great trumpet. It says the great trumpet will be blown and they will come who are about to perish in the land of Assyria and they who are outcasts in the land of Egypt and they shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem, the day that Jesus comes back. All right, I want to turn to Jeremiah 4. It's on page 870. Starting in verse 19, it says, Oh, my soul, my soul, 
I am pained in my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, O my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war, destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is plundered. Suddenly my tents are plundered and my curtains in the moment. How long will I see the standard, the banners, and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children, and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Behold the earth, and indeed it was without form and void, and the heavens they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled, and all the hills moved back and forth. And I beheld, and indeed there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens had fled. I beheld, and indeed the fruit land, fruitful land was a wilderness, and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger." So this is a place of judgment that at the sound of the trumpet, the Lord will come down and judge these places between, um, between those that follow him and those that do not. I wanted to see if there's any other place else. Um, I think that's all I want to read right there. And then turn with me to Matthew 24, it's on page 1141. So Isaiah and Jeremiah understand that there is a day coming when the Messiah and Je when Jesus will return. Okay, Matthew 24, it's on page 1141. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and I'm going to only read a portion of this. So if you want to read the rest of this, it's a great place to read this week. So let's start in, um, let's start in verse 3. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? So the, it, Jesus has been telling him, telling them that the end will come and that he will return. And they're saying, can you tell us when this is going to be? And what will be the signs of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. I love that that's the first place that Jesus says, listen, you be very aware about what I'm about to tell you so that you're not deceived. And then listen to what he says. He says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And um, I think about that as things are brought and saying, this is how Jesus would allow us to worship him. This is how Jesus wants us to worship him. And people are deceived. And, and he is saying that people are going to come in my name and in my ways, and it's not going to be true. Verse 6 says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not, is not yet. I see so many um, pro prophetic 
teachings on how we're close to the end and they're always linked to the wars and the rumors of wars and how many wars are going on and Jesus says very plainly there are going to be wars and you're going to hear about them but he says but these things have to come to pass but the end is not yet so I think that's important for us to not be deceived to remember that that's not the sign that Jesus wants us to be focused on, is whether there are wars. There's always been wars, and there's going to always be wars. Verse 7 says, For nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places, and, all the, and these are all the beginning of sorrows. So, Here's the next thing that people say that, you know, that there's going to be pestilence and famines and earthquakes and people say, yes, yeah, see what's happening all over our earth and this is a sign of the end of times. And Jesus says, no, this is the beginning. Do you see that? He doesn't say this is the end of times. He says this is the beginning of the sorrows. So when did the end of time actually begin? When did it start? when Jesus died. And so since that time, there have been these things going on. And he's saying, listen, these things are going to be happening, and you can watch them and know that these are the beginnings of the sorrows, but it's not the end times. Now go on in verse 9. He says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Man, that has happened throughout history. And still to this day in our world, we find places of like that happening. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And that's certainly been true too, isn't it? And he says, Then... Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Okay, so what he's saying is, what, what is coming right before the end? He's saying those who continue to endure to the end through these things are going to be the ones who are saved, those who endure to the end, and those are the people who are false prophets that are rising up, that are deceiving people, and because of lawlessness is abounding, and the love of many will grow cold. The love of the majority of the people is going to grow cold. I believe he's talking right here to the, to the church. He's talking about the world in some of these other things, the pestilence, the earthquakes, the wars. He's talking about what's going on in the world around us, right? But then he switches in this place in verse 11, and he says, and then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Those are going to be in the name of Jesus, in the church. False teachings, false prophets. And it says they will deceive many. If there's anything I think we need to be looking at today, it is that, that there is false prophets rising up, false teachings rising up. Let's go on. 
And then it says, and because of lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness. Mm. Lawlessness is um, a disregard for God's laws, for God's truths. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that um, are teachers in churches. And I have taught to many of them. And they tell you we're no longer under God's laws. This is a false prophet. And what it does is it takes us away from the things that God is showing us that happened on Mount Sinai, instructions for life. So the very thing that Yom Teruah is wanting us to remember is what happened at the first great trumpet sound when God called his people to come close. And Moses came up the mountain and met with God and brought down his laws. And God is saying, when we get closer to these end times, people are not going to have any regard for his instructions for life. That's going to be important. And he says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who clings to God's truth through these ends. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and the end will come. Do you see that right there? And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Okay, what is the gospel? It's what we were talking about today. It's God's understanding that he's giving through the feast. And that's why God wants us to come and celebrate these feasts, that we can hold close to these truths, that Jesus died, was buried, was raised, the spirit was given, and then the understanding Jesus is coming back. That's the gospel story. But before the gospel is preached, the very Last things that we're going to see is false prophets rising up and deceiving many. And this place of lawlessness, this place of disregard for God's laws. And, and it says the love, the love for God's laws and his truths is going to be cold. The love, not the, it doesn't mean the love of one another. It's talking about the love for God's truths and for him. And then it says, um, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel, those things I was just talking to you about, this place of loving God and to see Oh, and, and have a heart for his word and his truth. You see what I'm saying? That's what he's talking about here. The, and this gospel, the love of this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You want to know when the end's going to come? There's when the end's going to come. Now, the interesting thing about it is, <clears throat> is it says 
that this understanding, this truth is going to be preached into all the world. But it says right before that, that many are going to grow cold. So it's an interesting place here as I saw that. I thought, Lord, I see what you're saying is it's going to be preached. But not everybody's going to hold on to it. Because many are no longer going to have a love for your word, even though it's preached. All right. Therefore, when you see the abomination of the desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. <clears throat> All right, so uh, we won't spend much time on this, but this is another end-time understanding, is that when we see, and we study this in Daniel, there will be a leader that will rise up in Jerusalem to uh, lead Israel. And the first three and a half years of the seven years, he will be wonderful and everyone will praise him and he will do good things. And he will be like Antiochus when he rose up. It looked like he was going to be a great leader to the people, but then power overtakes him and he becomes a tyrant. He becomes a dictator and he turns against the people that are trying to serve the Lord and worship that way. And there is going to be the last three and a half years in Israel, there will be a leader who starts out good and becomes evil against God's ways. You know, we've seen other people, Nero, was that way. Um, Hitler was that way. It's my understanding as I've read and studied a little about Hitler, he started out doing really good things. In fact, he was uh, one of the first people that had the government provide roads and cars for people. And Hitler was doing all of these good things until the power corrupted him. And then he became God. And when they turn into this place of feeling like they are God, then they go against the things of the Lord and they bring destruction. And this will happen in this place. Um, skip down to verse 21. It says, For then there will be a great tribulation such as not being seen, has not been since the beginning of the world until now, no, nor shall it ever be. So it's saying that this time is going to be a huge tribulation. Now, I, I want to say something, and we're not going to get drawn off on this today, but um, Jesus is telling this to his believers, right? His followers, his disciples. And as we're reading along, do you see any place that it says, now listen, don't worry because y'all are going to all be raptured up? No. He is telling them, what is going to happen? And he's saying, if you're in Judea, you need to get out of town immediately when you start seeing this happen. But he's not telling them you're going to be raptured up. In fact, in 21, he says, For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world, 
until this time, nor shall ever be. Um, so Jesus never talks about this place of rapture. There is going to be a rapture, and I think we will talk about that in just a few minutes, but it is not before the tribulation. We have to understand that. Jesus never taught that. That is a false teaching. And so right here in verse 23, it says, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So there's going to be all these false prophets and false teachings and false understanding that's going to deceive people. And you see this going on right now throughout the church. And you see that people are being taught things that are not biblical. Even to the point of saying, there's going to be this rapture. You're not going to be here during tribulation. I believe that's a false teaching. It gives people an understanding that's not true. But it even goes on in verse 24 and says something I think we need to be aware of. It says, and great signs and wonders. So I've talked on this before. It is very... Um, likely that you're going to see in the end times people who do signs and wonders and it looks like it must be Jesus because they're laying hands on you and they're praying for you or they're uh, saying all these things that uh, allow these signs and wonders but they're not coming from Jesus. They're meant to deceive. So we as as believers, have got to walk in the gifts of the Spirit of knowledge and understanding that we can draw close to Jesus and he will help us know and discern what is truth and what is not truth. Skip down to verse 29. It says, <clears throat> immediately after the tribulation... Well, let's go back. I don't want to skip that. Let's go back to 25. It says, See, I have told you beforehand, therefore, if they say to you, Look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. He's saying no matter what people tell you, you can't just grab hold of it. You have to be truly um, asking the Lord to guide you on every one of these places. So, so many times I think we even today see things when go, people go, oh, yes, Jesus is really working over here. You need to come over here and see how this is happening. It's not necessarily Jesus. 28 says, for wherever the carcass is, there the eagles, and really that better word is vultures, will be gathered together. In other words, they're preying on God's people. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, do you see that? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Now, this is going to help us to understand when we're in the last, last, last days, if you want to know. <laughs> the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of heaven will will be shaken. Then the sun 
I'm sorry, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and the, with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet, and they will gather together the elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. Amen. With the sound of a great trumpet. And he will begin, he will come, and he will begin to gather one by one. Remember we read that earlier. One by one, he will begin to gather his people together. So the last couple places I want to leave you with... Um, well, Bill read to us out of 1 Corinthians. How about we go to 1 Thessalonians on page 1358. <clears throat> While you're turning there... Um, I had so many places today that I've been studying in and, and wanted to share with you. But if you want another place to read this week that we're not going to have time to talk about, I suggest you read in Second Peter uh, chapter 3 and read the whole chapter. It's on page 1397 in your Bible. Page 1397. It's Second Peter 3. And I just felt like it was such a great place to study this week but reading as Paul writes to the church at Thessalonians uh, the, at Thessalonica the Thessalonians there at the church of Thessalonica let's start in verse 13 a very familiar place it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So he's talking to the church about Jesus coming back. And um, there's many people that are saying, well, you know, my friend and my mother and my dad and whoever it might be, they've already, they loved Jesus and they were a follower of Jesus, but they've already fallen asleep. And their concern is what's going to happen to them. And so Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep. And that's what he uses for the term when he means died. Verse 14 says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So I want you to understand what he's saying right there. He's saying those who have fallen to sleep, when Jesus returns, he's bringing them with him. I love this little with him right there. In fact, I've underlined it in my Bible. So if you want that underlined. Because they're already with him. He didn't have to raise them up out of the grave. So anybody that says There's, your dead people are still going to be in the grave until Jesus returns, no, 
They're with him, and they're returning with him. They're with Jesus the moment that they die. They're with Jesus, and they are coming back because it says God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So where are they coming from? From being with Jesus. And that's for another day. We can teach on paradise another day, but that's where the dead in Christ go, to be with him in paradise. And then he will bring them back when he comes. So a lot of times we think about Jesus just returning and the clouds opening up and it's Jesus, and that is what our eyes are going to be focused on. But all those who have been believers before will be returning with him and he will have this entourage ushering him in as king of kings cool verse 15 says for this we say to you by the word of the lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the lord will by no means precede those who are asleep you see you're not going before them they're already with him and they're coming for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. There's that trumpet coming again. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, and they will rise first. They will have already risen. They will be with God. They will have risen first. You hear that? Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured up. That is when the rapture is going to happen, not before tribulation, not in the middle of tribulation, but rather when Jesus returns, that is when the rapture will happen. And they will be caught up together with them in the cloud to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What great comfort it does bring to us to know that the fullness of God's gospel, the fullness of his good news, includes the promise that Jesus will return again. And he will, at the sound of the trumpet, will call his people to assemble and will meet him in the air. We will come up to meet with him. So if you will stand with me as we praise the Lord for this powerful understanding and his promises.
Signs of a time. 